0: Welcome to the Alaskan Journey Podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska and my mission is to help people reveal intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. And the purpose of this podcast is to showcase the authentic lifestyles that people live who are right here on the last frontier. And today we have a very special guest. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, the star of the Sean in Alaska YouTube channel, talking about living off grid um, around the Soldatna Funny River area. So, uh, without further ado, please welcome Sean.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> Anytime. So, I guess Sean, the the first question I have here, and we kind of have this question for everybody when we're first getting started, is really what's what's your Alaska story? What's what you know drew you up here?
1: Well, I'm actually a second-time returnee to Alaska. So the first time I moved up here, I moved up in 1998 uh, after a a, a failed marriage, which I'm sure a lot of guys have done up here, um, and took a job in Fairbanks, and I lived in the interior for a couple of years, and ended up leaving Alaska to go back down to the lower 48 because I have two daughters down there and wanted to be closer to them, and I just never got Alaska out of my blood. So I moved back up here again in 2013, and this time for good.
0: Oh, outstanding. So you were in Fairbanks before and then just decided to go down to the to the Kenai Peninsula. Yeah. Oh, outstanding. So really, for those of us, or for those who aren't um, uh, real familiar with the, the climatic differences between those two areas, can you kind of explain <laughs> that a
1: little bit? <laughs> yeah, so um, the cold in Fairbanks can best be described as, you've got to be kidding in the winter. I mean, it was in 1999 for three weeks, the high temperature was 45 below zero and the low temperature was 63 below zero. And that was ambient temperature, not a wind chill. That's how cold it was. Mm. Whereas on the Kenai Peninsula where I'm at now, it's not unusual to get to 20 below zero, but it won't last for as long. Um, So you can still get out and do things outdoors. You can still have fun. I mean, it still gets dangerous if you're you know, if you don't take precautions with the proper gear and proper equipment, but it's nowhere near as dangerous as, as the winter was in Fairbanks.
0: Gotcha. So you really did prefer, I mean, it's all relative, but a more mild climate. And yep. that was definitely a good draw there. Um, what, what are some other things that really drove
1: you down to the Kenai Peninsula? Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say it wasn't the fishing. Um, <laughs> I it, my property is a quarter mile away from the Kenai River, uh, and I've got river access with a couple of friends right right on the, the bank of the river. So fishing for kings, fishing for sockeye, fishing for silvers, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, dip netting is, you know, basically 35, 40 minutes away. Um, I'm not, I'm an hour and a half to two hours away from Homer, so I can, you know, catch a charter and go out and do a little bit of halibut fishing uh, out in the Cook Inlet. It's just, I think, the best of both worlds here. Man,
0: that's perfect. I mean, especially if you're trying to to live off grid and you're trying to do a little bit more subsistence living, those those things really do make sense. So, so yeah, if somebody's trying to get a lot of fishing in, the Kenai is definitely the place to go. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Outstanding. All right. So, well, I guess what was your – so the plan was, okay, went to Fairbanks, moved to the lower 48, moving back to Alaska – and you I'm assuming you've been to the Kenai before, so you kind of knew what it was all about before you got there.
1: Actually, I hadn't. Um really? it's kind of okay. funny. I, I'd never I'd never been to Fairbanks when I first moved up here. Uh I just I, I sent a resume off in the in the mail to uh the company that I currently work for. And um sent it next day, Aaron. They called me two days later and offered me a job in Fairbanks. And I said, okay. And I went. I I I've never had a problem going any place at all. Um I was born and raised in the in the San Francisco Bay Area in California. Um and so, you know, you hear horror stories about, oh, this is a bad neighborhood or that's a bad neighborhood. They really have no idea up here what a bad neighborhood was compared to the lower 48. Um, I've seen a couple. Anchorage has got one or two that would would make me kind of think twice and get a little, little nervous, but there was really I'd never been to Fairbanks. I'd never been down to the Kenai, and all I knew was down here, it was a a milder climate and I would get to fish more and I wouldn't have to drive to fish. And I could always drive to the interior and go camping and stuff up there if I wanted to. Uh, But here's where I kind of really wanted to make my home. And it was based entirely on climate.
0: Oh, good deal. So I know a question that a lot of folks have then, um, that they usually, I'm sure it's a question you're used to, you know, because uh, so many people are probably asking it but the decision to go and and kind of live off grid what was the i guess was there any one defining thing that made you decide to pursue that lifestyle and is it something that you've you know what kind of um um feedback i guess do you have so far for for people who are aspiring to the off-grid lifestyle
1: i i guess the the thing that drove me in this direction would probably be blamed best on dick preneke um and alone in the wilderness i just watched that man (laughs) just talk about a master carpenter and we were right around this he was 51 years old i guess when he did that And when i moved back up here i was 51 years old uh and I, i i thought in the long run that i could do a lot of stuff for myself and i don't really i mean i i came from a electronic lifestyle in the lower 48, but I didn't need 90% of the stuff that I had. Uh, So I thought I could, I could do something for myself here um, that would be more fulfilling. So it was a fulfillment issue for me more than anything, I think.
0: Hmm, Okay. So I guess, let me ask you this. What is it about living off-grid that feels more fulfilling?
1: It just, it puts me more in touch with nature. And, you know, I, I know that's probably a real cliche statement to make, but you know, when you're sitting here and you've got no power going on at all, and, and the wind's blowing through the trees and you can hear it and, you know, you can hear the birds or you're sitting out in your yard and you look up and there's an Eagle or you look off to the side and there's a moose. Um, I had a moose five feet away from me when I was working on the generator the first week I was out here. It's just amazing to me. I, I just enjoy every aspect of it.
0: Oh, outstanding. So, I guess when you were first getting started, then um, did you have? Well, let's 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 back it up a little bit then. So we're we're in the beginning stages, you know, right now of of doing off grid. You're working on on building the cabin and everything else now. Um, can you give us maybe kind of a quick snapshot of of where you're at in that process of um, of getting all that built out?
1: Okay, so last summer was the first year working on the property. Um, I cut all of the trees down for the driveway and the pad area by hand. Uh, It was much cheaper to go that route. Um, Saved up the logs and the poles that I had from it to use on future projects. Hired a guy with a bulldozer to come in and bulldoze everything out, you know, to get down below, um, to get down to dirt level. Uh, And then um, brought in, I think it was 11 loads of gravel for the driveway area and moved a fifth wheel trailer onto there spent last winter on the property in a fifth wheel trailer um and then this spring has been basically getting the gardens working, put in uh, put a solar panel in to power my elect or my electrical needs during the summer. Hooked a generator up last year so I'd have power during the winter because as a YouTuber I'm constantly charging electronics and I need you know I've got hard drive backups that need to be run and charged on a regular basis. Uh, and so right now basically with what happened with the lumber market, I'm kind of hamstringed with what I can do. Um, I I I could go out I'm sure and borrow the money tomorrow with you know, with the credit rating that I've got, but it, it just defeats the whole purpose of trying to pay cash for the whole thing and not have any debt when I'm done at all. Uh, And there's many things I can do here on the property that I need to do over the next couple of years anyway, that fill my time. Uh, So right now it's just getting everything ironed out. Got chickens for the first time ever in my life. Uh, So I raised them from chicks inside. I've got the first raised beds going up. I've got the first gardens going together. So it's, it's a lot to keep me busy and it's been a lot of fun so far.
0: Good deal. So I guess with the chickens, then what's, um, you know, it's your first time doing it. What have, um, what's been some of the, uh, the first impression that you had of it. And I guess what were some of the, some of the mistakes you made initially?
1: The, The biggest fear I had was, um, Everything that I'd read about raising chickens, and again, this is a guy who was born in San Francisco, California, um, and I've really never had livestock in my life. But everything I ever read about having raising chickens from chicks was that you had to keep it 95 degrees uh, for the first few weeks, and then lower it down five degrees a week until they were at a certain age, and then you could you can pretty much turn the heat off. Well, my problem was being off grid. I had no, I couldn't run a heat lamp, mm. uh, so I bought 11 chickens. It was 12 originally, but one died before I could pick them up. And I bought them from a local feed store. Um, So I didn't do any of the shipping or anything like that. I made sure I got them from somebody who was local that I could ask questions with. And then um, raised them on my kitchen table inside the fifth wheel trailer here. And I did it with a buddy heater. Um, And they never, I don't think those chicks ever got above 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And right now they're running around outside my trailer in in, in the yard. Um, and there every everyone, every one of the 11 birds is healthy and happy. And I, I guess where I would go with this is that you can do all the research you want, but until you actually try to do something, it, it, you really won't know the results until you've actually tried to do it yourself.
0: Right. Right. Cause I mean, I, I feel like there's really, you get to a point where it's just analysis paralysis and it's either sink or swim or jump in and try or, or don't do it at all. I feel like we, exactly. I feel like we, um, yeah, we as a society, just cause we have so much information at our fingertips, it just paralyzes us so often.
1: It does. And I've been guilty of that myself where I've said, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. And, and, and for whatever reason, I, oh, I need to learn something else. I need to learn something else first. And finally I just get fed up with it and I go, I'm just going to do it. And if I mess it up, I mess it up. Um, and that's why I kind of why I did the YouTube channel because my kids live in California and they get to see their dad make all those mistakes up here. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, that's awesome. So the, so the YouTube channel, it's kind of a good way to just showcase the lifestyle to other people, but it's also a way to, to kind of stay in, in connection with the family down, down South relatively.
1: Correct. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, outstanding. So what's, uh so what are their thoughts on, on dad and, uh, and grandpa um, living off grid up in Alaska? Do they come up and visit often? What's um, what are their thoughts?
1: So my, my oldest daughter just had her second son and they're all coming up for the first time ever next year. Um, my youngest daughter has been up here a couple of times, but she hasn't actually, neither one of them actually been to this property because this all happened last summer and this year. And with everything that was going on last year, traveling was kind of out of the question for them, for the kids. So.
0: Gotcha. So it's going to be about two years worth of, um, worth of development thereabouts when they, when they get up here.
1: Yeah. And they think dad's nuts anyway, but whenever they have a question about gardening or when they're trying to do something or, you know, their, their husbands are saying, what's going on here? I, I always get a phone call. Hey, what would you do here, dad? <laughs> so I may be nuts, but I, I seem to come up with the answer. <laughs> Sounds about right.
0: <laughs> so I guess let's, uh, let me ask you this real quick then. So with the chickens, do you have like a, a specialized chicken coop or do they just manage to stay warm with their feathers during the winter time? What does that look like?
1: So, again, this is just from what I've read before. Um, And a great resource up here is the UAF Extension, um, University of Alaska Fairbanks uh, Agriculture Extension. Uh, And they're online and you can get all the information you need if you're interested in getting into animal husbandry or gardening or planting uh, from a small scale all the way up to a commercial scale. Um, Where I'm at, with with the people i've talked to locally generally speaking i probably won't have to heat the chicken coop now in fairbanks i would probably have to insulate and heat the chicken coop but down here it shouldn't be a deal um the chickens right now at at 30 degrees fahrenheit or 25 degrees fahrenheit in the morning when they've been outside uh once their full feathers come in they'll keep themselves warm um you just when I'm when I'm designing the coop, I just have to make sure I've got plenty of ventilation, but at the same time, no way for drafts to get in there because the drafts are what are gonna give them a big issue. Right.
0: No, that that does make sense. But okay. Well, good deal. Good deal. So just kind of planning for that in the future here then. And right. what would you say is has kind of been one of your one of your bigger challenges up to this point? Because I mean I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I, I was just going to say that having lived without electricity and having lived without water at different times, this is the first time I've ever done both together. And the thing that you're going to miss more is water uh, because the the amount of times you actually use water every day, you don't even think about it um, as as much as you think about how much electricity you use. But when you go to do, when I go to do dishes, I have to boil water that i store because i have no well put in here yet you know like i said it's a it's a new property it's a new development eventually there will be a well but if i'm going to do dishes i have to boil a pot of water on the stove to get hot water to wash my dishes um you know and and because water for me is scarce and i have to haul it um I use biodegradable everything in my water so that I can at least use that water again to possibly water a plant or, you know, especially this time of the year to throw into my garden so I don't have to just haul water to garden, you know, to water the garden. So living without water to me has always been more of a challenge than living without electricity. Um, I can charge a lot of my electronics every day driving back and forth to work. Um, And I can even charge them at work if I need to. But there's nothing you could do to supplement the water that you need. Uh, so that's something you really have to think about if you're going to do an off-grid lifestyle is how are you going to manage your water? How are you going to manage your waste? Um, the first structure I built on the property was, was a composting outhouse, uh, because that's, you're either doing that or you're going to be using a tree all winter long. (laughs) And that did not, that did not appeal to me at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't really say that would do much for the property value either.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and that's kind of why I went with the composting outhouse too, is because I didn't want to dig a pit in the ground and have a bunch of waste. And then eventually that's going to fill and You're going to have to move the outhouse. Um, with a composting outhouse, I can I can go ahead and haul that waste to a back section of my property, compost it. I can use it for flower gardens and stuff like that. I mean, I wouldn't use that, that compost on food, but I would use it on flowers and stuff.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, might not spend a whole lot of time on this topic, but with the... Uh... <laughs> like i guess what's the big difference between the the composting outhouse and the regular outhouse what
1: um the regular outhouse requires you to dig a hole in the ground and eventually that hole will fill up and then you have to cover the hole in move the outhouse and you know dig another hole move the outhouse and go through that whole process again with the composting outhouse it's you're never you it's never going into a hole in the ground it's going into a, a container um, where you're going to take that waste and, and haul it off somewhere. And in my case, I haul it off into the into a section that I have in the back part of my property where I can just let it compost naturally.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, that that certainly does make sense then. Uh, what do you do for, as far as showers out there, do you just break a hole in the ice in the river like a man and jump in or what does that, that look? <laughs> Grab a salmon in my
1: teeth and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm really lucky in that uh, my One of my best friends from high school that I grew up with lives right around the corner from me, about a mile and a half away. So I usually swing by his house and use the shower over there. Um, I pick up my water over at his place, too. Uh, I've got a neighbor down the road right on the river that, you know, she's always telling me, come on by, get water, get whatever you need. If you need to use a shower, go ahead. Um, But in Alaska, unlike the lower 48, a lot of our laundromats up here are set up with in any area that may be off grid with shower stalls, too. So you can actually take a shower while you're doing your laundry. Um, and the Soldatna um, laundromat, the Soldatna wash and dry, has a shower um, accessibility there. So if if you really didn't know anybody and you were doing this on your own, you could actually do your showers while you're doing your laundry in town.
0: Hmm, that's really cool. I did not realize that down in. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that. Okay, that's that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. that's it's a... handy
1: too if you're down here fishing and camping and and. You know, you're down here in your trailer and you say, Oh man, I, I do not want to drive all the way back smelling like these fish. So I'm gonna stop off at the laundromat and quick catch a quick shower before I head back out. So it, it's pretty handy.
0: Yeah, I know, and that's that's a very um very relevant problem in Alaska during the summertime. So yeah, definitely <laughs> uh definitely good to have something in your back pocket. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. You kind of mentioned your friend around the corner, um, the other neighbor that's that's willing to to help out any way that she can. Can you Kind of talk a little bit about the, you know, I guess maybe the culture of, of what it's like living down on the um, living down on the Kenai Peninsula.
1: It's um I guess the best way I could describe it is if you, if you watched a movie from old America, you know, like the 50s, where the neighbors and the friends are helping everybody out all the time. When you're in a small community like I'm in, and even Soldotna would count because I'm ac- actually outside of Soldatna um, by about a, about a half an hour, 45 minutes. When you're in a small community like that, you see the same people every day. You learn their names, you learn their, you know, they le- you first you recognize their faces, then you learn their names, then you start talking. People will walk over and introduce themselves. Um, a very, very friendly atmosphere um, in small town Alaska. Um, you do have your characters that really don't want to talk to anybody, no matter what. Uh, but I think you have that everywhere. You just have it a little more pronounced in Alaska. You'll see people in the store that you know you may only see once every two or three weeks because that's the only time they ever go to town. Uh, but generally speaking, most folks down here on the Kenai Peninsula are pretty darn friendly.
0: Mm, see, that's uh, that's good to hear because, I don't know, it seems like the, the perception would be if you're in like kind of off-grid, small town, it's probably because you just don't want to be around people because you don't really like people, but that's not really the the impression that I'm getting.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and and, and off grid for me had nothing to do with I'm done with society. Um, I have a, I have a lot of friends who have YouTube channels that are, you know, they they talk about their hardcore preppers and the end of the world, and I'm not into that. I just wanted to do something for me that would bring, like I said earlier, fulfillment to my life. I mean, I, I'm 59 years old now and the things I find important in life are a lot different than they were when I was 25. So um I want to have that enjoyment. I want to have the uh the peace and the and the tranquility of of my property in the woods. I want to have the enjoyment of raising my own food. But at the same time I want to go to the local brewery and have a nice, you know, pint of ale. Uh, and have a couple of, you know, have a hamburger and BS with the neighbors and the locals and say, How are you guys doing? Hey, let's go fishing this week. Uh, off-grid to me had was never an escape. I I work in retail every single day. So <laughs> I see people all the time. It's not, yeah. The the number of people that actually live off grid um that work in the general public would probably amaze a lot of folks.
0: Yeah. See, that's uh that's something too, because I've had a number of people reach out to me and they're like, Well, I don't want to. I don't want to have a job. I just want to pan for gold and I want to hunt and fish on the like 10 acres and that's it. And of, right. course, of course, I want uh, power so I can play my video games.
1: Yeah. I, and, and don't get me wrong. I could get power on this property if I wanted to spend that expense to bring the power in. And I, I like I said, for what I use, I can't justify the dollars that it would cost me to bring the electricity in. It is available. And then again, with the whole, I don't want really any debt when I'm done, um, because I want to spend that money doing things that I enjoy, like fishing and hunting and getting out with my camera or getting out with my drone and doing photography and video. Um, I don't want that monthly bill that's going to come with with a power hookup as well.
0: Got it. So it sounds like it sounds like going off grid, kind of simplifying a little bit. It's it's about. Really kind of finding the freedom, not just, you know, not just in being able to disconnect, but also just financially and being able to provide for yourself also. Correct. All right. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, let me ask you this real quick then. Um, you kind of mentioned before that your priorities have kind of changed from 25 to, to where you're at now, uh, 35-ish, I believe it is. So what's, uh, how would you say the, uh, priorities have really kind of shifted since then?
1: Yeah. When I was, when I was younger, it was suit and tie time, um, you know, in the rat race, rushing to get the next promotion, rushing to get the next job, rushing to get the next car. Uh, that is pretty much gone. I mean that to me, those were things, um, that didn't really add to my life. I thought they did at the time, but they really didn't. Now I'm more about substance than I am about uh, the things. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll, when I go out and I buy something, I don't I don't generally buy something because I have to have it. I'll give you a great example. We're doing this interview right now, and, and I have a Samsung S10 cell phone that I use. Okay. The one I had before this was a Samsung S3. And I kept that until I finally said I need to get a new cell phone, and I went with the 10. Well, they have a new one out now. Um, that's why I don't think I could ever be say an Apple owner because they have the new phone every year. And I don't, like I couldn't change my phone that, that often. This one will last me five years, 10 years. And when it's done, then I'll buy the best one I can at that time. I'm more interested in using something until it can't be used anymore than I am in getting something because it's the new thing to have. Um, and and I, that's the way all my life is with, with vehicles, with property, with, you know, um, with livestock now, with, uh, with the work that I'm doing on the property. It, I'm more focused on 20 years down the road than I am focused on what it's going to do for me this week.
0: And I think that's huge because I think another reason that people are always so eager to go out and buy the new thing is kind of just having the the desire to to impress people and keep up with the Joneses. Yep. And you know, keep up the lifestyle that I think every everyone kind of feels the, the pressure that they have to if not have then at least project.
1: Yeah, and it, it's it's fun for me it was really fun when I when, when I realized that it was taking me nowhere and once I stopped doing it I was like, man, it's, it's really freeing. You know, it's like the whole experience I'm having now, every day that I come home before it was, I'm in a rush. Cause I got to get to work. I want to work more hours. I want to do more. I want to, now I'm in a hurry to get done with work so I can get home and work on the property and work on the stuff that I have every day around me. And I, it, it's a, it's a great feeling to have that flip in your life, you know, to go from that extreme to the extreme where, where your property and your home is your focus.
0: Was it uh, was a little disillusioning when you kind of made that switch initially?
1: No, but I will tell you that the first night that I was here on this property was was uh, probably as dark as it could get. Um, it was, and I don't <laughs> mean dark in an e- in an evil way. I mean just um, I I went from uh, where the trailer was parked at my buddy's place, uh, plugged in with electricity and everything. Had the trailer moved over that first day, had three days off from work and had no electricity, had nothing hooked up at all. And I was, I lit the inside of this trailer with kerosene lamps. And I sat down with a kerosene lamp next to me and it was August. So we were actually getting nights again. Um, And I sat down with those kerosene lamps and opened up a book and read for about 15 or 20 minutes, got so tired that I was done and went to sleep and woke up so refreshed the next day. It was like I had stepped out of the real world into you know, the 1800s. It was incredible. It was, it was really a, a fascinating, fascinating evening.
0: And that's okay. That really makes sense. Cause you don't have, cause I mean, most people, when they go to bed, it's really lay in, in bed with a phone in front of your face right. for like an hour or so until you, you finally go to sleep like a comatose, but just because you're able to just completely, I mean, really and truly disconnect so was it like, was,
1: it, it, yeah, it was a strange feeling. And it was, I mean, I didn't even have a clock in here for like six months. Um, you know, that little red icon that was on forever with my alarm clock. Um, you know, when I, when I lived on the grid, uh, the number of times you'd wake up and look at that and, and being out of here, the number of times I'll wake up and open my eyes and maybe I'll, all I'll hear is the rain slamming on my roof. And then I just go back to sleep again. And and man, the sleep has been fantastic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Okay, that that really does sound appealing. And I think for a lot of people, that's that's why camping is a, is suddenly appealing. But imagine having like just that's kind of your entire
1: lifestyle.
0: Yeah, yeah you can it's just...
1: uh, yeah, it's it's challenging. Um, it, I'll give you another example. I was putting in some posts um, from some of the logs that I fell last summer uh, out here on the property. And and the snow has been gone now for what a month and a half, what, almost two months now. And I'm, I'm digging a post hole and I get about three inches into the ground, I hit ice. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. So I said, okay, I'll give it a break. And I go over to dig the other post hole, straight down, no problem at all. I get down two feet, not a problem. Come back over. It took me three and a half days to dig that one post hole because every time I would free it up, We had some rain, it'd fill up with water and the ground would freeze again. And you're thinking, this is crazy, but it's not a hurry. It's not a race to get things done. Being here on my own property, I can take my time to do it myself. So even that is, you know, as nuts as that was, was pretty fulfilling to actually finally get that darn hole dug.
0: (laughs) Right, because you're actually going to see like the the progress of that every day. Yeah, it's not going right. to be some ambiguous conceptual work that you do. And I'm sure it's going to benefit somebody sometime. <laughs> right. Oh, good deal. Good deal. So what would you say if you had to, to let's just say three things that you think most people wouldn't think about, but that's that's true when you're living off grid? You know, what would you... Say those uh, those three things are. We kind of mentioned before it's it's darker, so uh, you're able to disconnect and sleep better. But what are some other things that most people want to think about until they actually get there?
1: um Downsize as much as you can before you make that move. Um, especially if you're going to do what I did and you're going to live in a trailer as you're building. Uh, it doesn't matter how fancy the trailer are. Trailers are not designed to be lived in full time. Number one, um, and number two there is no storage space in a trailer. So um, get rid of everything you possibly can get rid of before you make that move. Downsize as quickly as you possibly can. Um, and, And you'll save yourself a lot of hassle because clutter can clutter around you all day long will really clutter up your mind and clutter up everything else that you're trying to do because you're constantly looking at that stuff going, man, I got to do a better job of getting this organized. So downsize would be the first thing. Um, The second thing is always have a plan B. Um, If if you're thinking that you're going to cook on a campfire every day, um, you're not, especially up here in the winter. Um, So make sure you have a way to do stuff like how do I, you know, how do I cook more than just outside, Um, more than using the barbecue all the time? Do I have a way to cook? Do I have a way to keep warm? Um, Do I have uh, a way to power things for me? So always have a second plan for everything that you're going to do, because chances are that your first plan is going to fail more than once. Um, Mine has. (laughs) And I, I put 10 years into saying, how am I going to do this before I actually did. Um, And I'm trying to think of the third thing would be never lose sight of why you did it in the first place. Um, Usually people who want to do this kind of lifestyle, have a dream, have a goal of of what they want to do and what they want to be. And if you lose sight of that, you'll end up hating what you're doing. So always remember to have fun and why you did it in the first place, because that's a huge part of, of living this kind of lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. All right. Well, I I guess in closing, then, um, do you have any any final thoughts or or anything like that you'd like to to share with people who might you know be curious about the the lifestyle or might be looking at making a making the switch themselves?
1: I would just say if you're if you're really curious about it, um, definitely go camping as often as you possibly can. You made a good point there because camping is the ultimate off-grid weekend for anybody who lives on-grid on a regular basis. Um, and if you find that you're getting to the point where you just want to do that all the time, then this might be the lifestyle for you. Um, if you're going to get into it and do it, don't set unrealistic goals for yourself and don't punish yourself when things fail because they fail all the time. They fail on the grid, they'll fail off the grid as well. And, and by fail, I mean, you don't get to those goals that you set for yourself in the time frame that you set. Be flexible. Um, but just be persistent because you'll get there eventually. And above all, enjoy it. Have a good time.
0: I think that's really huge. And just kind of understanding that you can't really define your entire success or failure based on, on a couple goals. So it's, it's really important, not just with off-grid living, but just kind of in general also to kind of give yourself
1: that grace. I I agree a hundred percent in anything that you do it. I I mean, if you're going to buy a house, you know, sure you want, you know, when you're in the real estate market, everybody wants this beautiful house on a hill with a view and, and, you know, ultimate bedrooms. And maybe they want a a movie theater and then everything else. But your first house is never that your first house is always the starter home. Then you work your way up to the next one. And then eventually you'll, you'll hopefully get to the one you dreamed of having. Maybe at some point, the house that you have becomes the dream and you didn't realize it's the same thing with anything. You know, it's the same thing with off grid. It's the same thing with real life. Just keep your eyes open while you're shooting for your goal. And Make sure you don't pass it up by mistake.
0: I like it. I like it. All right. For well, for those of you who would like to keep up with Sean and his journey as he's continuing to to live off grid, you can follow him on YouTube at Sean in Alaska, and he'll have links to his Facebook page on there as as well that you can go check out and um, yeah see what uh, see what the journey is looking like for him. So if that's something you're considering doing. Um, I said it before, but this is kind of my in-house expert, so I'll let you guys go and reach out to him and uh, see if you can go from there. But, um, but Sean, thank you again for um, for spending the time here. And um, um, if you're interested in moving to Alaska, just in general, also um, just kind of some some tips and tricks for what the process is like moving up here, or if you have questions about Alaska in general, do make sure you check out my YouTube channel at Alaska Realtor and We'll try to answer as many questions as we can there just about moving up here in general. But other than that, um, thank you for your time, sir, and signing off.